Let the children of God say amen. amen. Let the children of God say amen again. Amen. How blessed we are to be in God's place on God's day to learn about God's word so that we can better be God's people. So that prayerfully when that last prayer is prayed and that last song is sung, and we see our Lord face to face prayerfully, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done well on earth. Now into the doors of glory. How blessed we are to come here and be present when a lot of individuals, unfortunately, are absent. Not because they made the choice, but because the choice was made for them. Some did not have the pleasure of waking up on this morning. Some woke up, but they were not in their right mind. Some woke up, but they were told to wake up because they were high in prison bars. But glory, glory be to God that I'm free to come here and worship him. I'm free to come here and give him all the praise that he is due. We want to thank those brethren who led us in our devotional period, especially our song leader who was extremely spirited on this morning. I almost zoned out and had a coming to America moment. Say amen when you can. Uh, but we are sure enough glad to be here in the house of the Lord. Let us be remembering those of our family who are currently ill at this time. Uh, Chanel Sanks is still in ICU. Uh, Sister Christine Jettas as she continues to recover. Cheryl Maison as well as several, Rhonda Wright and others who want to be here. But the Lord has them in a position where they're focusing on their humanistic health. And for that, we are continuously praying for them. The Gray Road family is cognizant that on next Sunday we'll be worshiping, but not here. We'll be at the Cincinnati Marriott there in Westchester, Ohio, as we are kicking off the Ohio State Lectureship. We pray, God, that you'll be there with us. Also, we want Gray Road to be cognizant of after service. Vacation Bible School is on its way. And if perchance you are volunteering, teaching, or helping with that great effort, there's a meeting there in Heritage Hall, and lunch is provided. Say amen. You won't afford to get to a meeting on time, just serve some chicken. Uh, if you are a volunteer for this year's VBS, there's a meeting for you, and lunch is provided. Meet me, if you will, in the 51st Division of Psalm. The 51st Division of Psalm. And for contextual sake, we'll begin there at the first verse. Psalm 51, beginning there at verse number 1. When you find yourself there, let us be standing for the honorable, infallible, and inspired word of God. The 51st division of Psalm, beginning there at the first verse. When there, David, the little son of Jesse, David, the one who fought the lion and the bear, David, the one who fought Goliath, with five smooth stones. Here he gives the following words to the choir master. And he says, Have mercy on me, O God. That'll preach all by itself. Have mercy on me, O God, 
according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If you have some time this morning, I want to speak from the thought, the confession of a king. Subtopic, a battle on the home front. The confession of a king, a battle on the home front. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Devilly kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you've been and who you are right now in our very lives. Father, this time bless everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, open their minds, their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and yes, even their ears to hear a word coming straight from you via your manservant. Father, this time be with your manservant. Father, though I am broken, though I am bent, and though I am often bleeding, Father, I pray that you will cure me and heal me yet again. Father, work not only on my symptoms, but also work on my sickness, for, Father, I am sinful. I am not worthy to stand here, Father, but it's only by your grace that I stand here and only by your grace that they sit here. So, Father, since we are all gathered together, let us feast on what you have prepared for us, your people. Knowing, Father, you are the chef, you are the architect, Father, just help me serve what you've already prepared. Father, bless the preparation, bless the proclamation, and bless all of our dedication toward the word. Father, fill us with what we need and fill us with even what we don't want. Father, bless your people. Father, bless the word. Father, bless your servant. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The confession of a king. Subtopic, a battle on the home front. Just in case you didn't know, scandal existed long before Olivia Pope and the crisis management firm Olivia Pope and Associates. 
And just in case you didn't know, empire existed long before Lucius and Cookie. For on this morning, I want to talk about a scandal that involved one of the greatest empires of all time. And while the offense itself was scandalous, the end result was in fact miraculous because while the scandal involved Satan at his best, the finality involved the Savior at his finest. It was after King David used his power. It was after King David used his popularity and prestige to perform two of the most vile offenses. The first offense was adultery with Bathsheba. The second offense was the subsequent murder of Uriah, her husband. But it was after David performed two of the most vile offenses that we are now hearing the confession of a king. Understand, nobody, I say nobody, I say nobody is above sin. Therefore, nobody is above confession. Even God's elect, even God's anointed will have times in their life when they must confess that it's time to confess and ask for forgiveness. As a matter of fact, if you are perchance God's anointed, then that puts you more so perfectly in the crosshairs of confession. I say crosshairs because when we are in between sin, we ought to then be found in confession. For it is confession and prayer that strengthens us for the next sin that comes knocking at our door. I'm here to tell you, yes, sin will come again. But by God's grace and by God's fortitude, it prayerfully won't come next time by the same way. Yes, the devil thought he had me, but he didn't know that he already had me there last week. So this week I prayed to God and said, Jesus, be a fence all around me. Every day. So, yes, the tempter came again, but he had to come by a different route because in between time, in the meantime, I humbled myself and I learned the art of repentance. Here we see the confession of a king, but not just any king. But we're dealing with a king who was also a man after God's own heart. After all that David had done and inevitably will do, it was God who compelled the hand of Dr. Luke to conclude in Acts chapter 13, verse number 22, that David was still. Let me say it again. David was still. David was still a man after God's own heart. Meaning that God does not judge one scene of our lives. But I'm so glad that he waits on me. I'm so glad that he's patient. And he doesn't judge one scene, but he sits around and watches the whole movie. He's a God of aggregation rather than aggravation. He doesn't give up on just one occurrence. 
to God be the glory. In Psalm 51, we see the recognition and the resolution. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see the incident followed by the investigation, followed by the interrogation. I wish I had a church here at 4826 Gray Road. For it's in 2 Samuel chapter 11 that we see that though David was supposed to be away in a battle of physical altercation, because 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 says, in times like these in the springtime, kings were supposed to be off at war, but David was not at war, David stayed at home. And what he would soon figure out is the greatest battle that he would have to face would not happen away, but rather it would happen on the home front or rather on the rooftop because David's fight was not with the enemy that laid outside, but rather David's fight was with the enemy that rests inside. And if you were real with yourself, we all got an internal fight going on and there's an enemy within us. That's why the New Testament had to come back and say, greater is he that is within you. Then he that is in the world, he would soon learn that the battle on the home front would be one that would demand his soul then and demand our soul now. And though he lost the battle in terms of lust and in terms of Bathsheba, it's what he did shortly after that allowed him then and us now to win the war. And in this battle that I fight within myself, it's not necessarily about the fight as much as it is the surrender. Somebody miss your shout. Somebody miss that shout. See, it's not about the fight. It's about the surrender. Because I serve a God who fight all my battles. I serve a God who say, look out and watch and see what I'm going to do. I serve a God that said just walk around the walls of Jericho, it's already in your hand. I serve a God that parts the sea and says just walk across it. I serve a God that says it don't matter if he's nine feet tall. It don't matter if he has armor. You don't even need no armor, but go down to the water. And when you go down to the water, get your five rocks. It was after David saw something fast. It was after David saw something naked. That's in your Bible. It was after David saw something bathing from the roof that is now found in prayer unto God. I know that Tyrone and Herschel are strong in their faith and strong in their marriages. But David saw Rihanna they're on the rooftop. She was fine, naked, and bathing. He saw Beyonce or Beyonce or Sasha Fierce or whatever you want to call her on the rooftop. He saw Kim breaking the internet Kardashian from the rooftop. He saw Megan Good. I wish I had some brothers who were, hello somebody, comfortable in their own skin to say amen. He saw Megan Good from the rooftop. Uh, back in the day, Cedric, he saw Nia Long from the rooftop. Nicki Minaj from the rooftop. Some of y'all say, who are those folk? He saw Pam Greer. Say amen when you can. Yeah, Lord. 
Now I got your attention from the rooftop. The women are saying, what about me? He saw Idris Elba from the rooftop. He would have seen if he was straying a woman, say amen, Morris Chestnut and LL Cool J from the rooftop. What I need you to understand is there was some verifiable, quantifiable temptation going on to where a king who had many wives and concubines said, hold up, wait a minute. I got to have that at all costs. And just like we do with our sin, we'll pay all the cost. The devil will sign you up and then take you for a ride that you never anticipated. You may think the fare is cheap, but it's going to cost you as you go along the way. That's not in my text, but it feels good right there. Understand, understand, it was after David performed his cold-blooded and calculated sin, like some of us do, that he didn't try to do a cover-up, like some of us do. Remember, he tried to get Uriah, tried to get him to go home and sleep with his wife, and said, come off the battlefield, we got to make this look like it ain't. You won't go home to your wife. You're going to sleep outside the palace on the porch. I'm going to get you drunk and see what you're going to do. And Uriah was still faithful. And since Uriah would not do what David wanted him to do, David had Uriah killed on the battlefield, seemingly to get rid of the symptoms of sin. But the problem was that though he eliminated the symptom of sin, he never eradicated the sickness of sin. The problem was not in her husband, rather, the problem was in his heart. So here we see David taking his symptom and his sickness to the father of our Savior. And when he gets there, in verse number 1 of Psalm 51, he starts off with the words that everybody should start off with in prayer. I wish I had somebody in here. Now, now I know the sermon series don't start until May 31st, but that's Jesus' prayer life. I'm talking about David right now. I'm talking about, hello somebody, generations before Jesus, though he was on the Judah family line. Understand, the prayer starts off, and this is how I need to start my prayers. I don't know about you, but as a preacher, I got some stuff in my life to where before I ask him anything, I ought to thank him for everything. I, I had a prayer life as to where I got to clean myself up before I come in the presence of cleanliness. I got to start off with the words, have mercy. Mercy comes from the Hebrew word kana. It means to show pity, but also to show favor. Have mercy. Lord, I need your pity. Pity. Defined in the English language means sympathetic or kindly sorrow, evoked by suffering. Lord, have mercy. Lord, I need your, I need, I need your pity. David says, Lord, I'm suffering and I need your pity. But pity just recognizes my situation. But I also need favor coupled with pity. Because though pity recognizes my situation, favor remedies my situation. And favor offers me protection through my situation. Favor 
is why the same situation that would have defeated somebody else has in turn determined you. Favor is why the same situation that would have stifled somebody else strengthens you. Favor is the reason why that situation that would have burned somebody else has blessed and bettered me. And it's all because of your favor. Lord, continue to have the mercy on me that both pities my situation, but it still favors your servant. Yes, I have sinned, but I am so blessed to have you in my life. I'm blessed to have your pity. I'm blessed to have your favor. I'm blessed to have your grace. I'm blessed to have your mercy. I'm blessed to have your love. I'm blessed to have your compassion. I don't know about you, but all these things are beneficial in my life. But the blessedness of God's peace, the blessedness of God's grace, the blessedness of God's mercy, the blessedness of God's love is not beneficial until it's activated. I'm glad that you love me, Lord. But right now that I'm in my mess, I need to activate your love in my life. I'm glad you got grace, but right now I need to activate it so I can see the grace working in my life. Airbags in a car are nice to have, but they only save somebody when they're activated. House alarms only protect once they first have been activated. Insurance only redeems like a good neighbor. Jesus is there. Insurance only redeems and replenishes once it's first been activated. So since I got grace on my side, I'm here, Lord, and I'm calling on you to activate it right now in my life. I know where I've been, but I need your grace so I can go where you have me to be. And that's why I come to you. That's why I cry out to you. That's why I petition you. I have sinned. And my sins have me in bondage. And now I repent so that now I can experience freedom. Not because I'm innocent, but because I'm penitent. Notice David in this text wanted God to act right now. And not just act now, but also act continuously. That's why the phraseology that is most pivotal to this text is used in the form of a verb. Have mercy here is seen as a verb. Blot out is seen as a verb. Wash away is seen as a verb. Cleanse me is seen as a as a verb. What's David saying, Jeremy? Work on me, Lord. But let it be a work of action and activity because I need you right now. I don't need you on the sideline. I need you on the front line. Have mercy on me, oh God. Notice the entire text is personal and centers on the I and the me. Here David makes transformation and conversion personal. He had an understanding that once I perfect 
the personal, then I can relate to someone else. But the problem is that is common with most of us is that we tend to take our brokenness and try to relate to other broken people. Hoping that our two broken pieces will some kind of way make a whole. And that's why single folks sometimes say nonsense like, he completes me. I'm looking for somebody to complete me. Honey, you better be complete by yourself for you gonna get with somebody. Because if I'm not complete before I meet you, when you leave me, I'm not going to know how to roll around. But it's when two whole people come together that they then can experience a wholesome relationship. David says, it's about me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Have mercy on me, oh God, he's specific in whom he's talking to. God here in the Hebrew is Elohim. Elohim translates into the Greek when it says theos. Theos is a plural singular intensive. Theos means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God so loved the world. God the Father loved the world. God the Son loved the world. God the Holy Spirit loved the world. Now, when you look at theos in the Greek, the Hebrew of that is Elohim. Elohim says of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I done messed up, Lord. I need everybody's mercy. I want the mercy of the Father, the mercy of the Son, the mercy of the Holy Spirit. Oh, have mercy on me, oh God. But understand, though Elohim is in the plural, David's plea is still in the specific as to the giver of mercy. David is saying the giver of mercy is God all by himself. And the only one to whom David is petitioning for mercy is God. He does not want mercy or expect mercy from other people. But mercy from God is all that's relevant. Notice, though the psalm is turned in to be published for future generations. When it was first spoken, this served as a private psalmatic prayer. Private sin equals private prayer. And this was after he was privately confronted by his brother and or God's man, Nathan. Within the confines of prayer and privacy, David did not struggle with the formalities. But rather, his petition was simple. David was going through at that time. He needed some mercy at that time. Sin was not only knocking at his door, it was sitting in his living room at that time. He didn't have time with formalities. He said, Lord, it's time to pray. Let's start. Have mercy on me. I don't know about you. But when you need the Lord to truly move in your life in a right now fashion, you don't have time for formalities. You don't have time for pretense and pretext. Yes, you may explain yourself, though the need is not even there because God already knows. But sometimes you just start off by saying, Lord, have mercy on me. You don't have time to get fancy with it. And say to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you don't have time.
time to pray for every soldier in Afghanistan. You don't have time to pray for the globe and the world and the United States of America. You don't have time to pray for every hungry person that may live across the street. Sometimes when you need God to act right now, you get straight to the point. You say things like, fix it, Jesus. Show up right now. Lord, only you know. Y'all looking at me funny like y'all ain't never had some problems in your life. And you get down on your knees and don't know what to say. And your lips start moving but you ain't really saying nothing. And you're trying to think about it at the same time all the stuff you got to pray for. You're trying to think about your health and think about your finances and think about your family. And you can't figure out how to organize it. And all you say is, Lord, fix it. All you say is, Jesus, be a fence. All you say is, Lord, you know. Or you might be like David. All you can say at the time is, Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. If for no other reason, forgive me just because of who you are. You are loving and you are merciful. Have mercy on me, Lord, but not a generic mercy. I don't want a Dr. Thunder mercy. I want a Dr. Pepper mercy. Some of y'all missed that. I don't want a Save-A-Lot mercy. I want a Kroger mercy. I don't want to have a generic mercy, but have mercy on me according to your love. Your love is the love that loved me even when I didn't love you. Your love is the love that allowed Judas to kiss you, though you knew he was coming to betray you. Your love is the love that allowed Pilate to misjudge you. That's the love that you have. It'd be your love that would compel Paul to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. That's the love that you have. Your love said don't be deceived, but neither the sexually immoral, neither the liars, neither the cheaters, neither the gamblers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the love that you have. So since that's your love, here's my request. Wash away my sins. If you think you've done something that's beyond God's salvation, go meet David. Cheated on his wife. Murdered for the woman that was his side chick. Say amen when you can. That wasn't in my notes, but it hit you right in your spirit. Say amen when you can. Murdered for Bathsheba. But after all of that, Lord, wash away my sins. I want to plead guilty, Lord. I need some rehabilitation. I know that you have to pronounce sentence on me someday. I'm just praying it's not today. I need just a little bit of mercy. I need some time, space, and opportunity. Wash me, Lord. Renew me, Lord. According to your unfailing love. Before the Koine Greek language existed, the agape manifestation was already in use. God was, is, and will be an unconditional type of God. There's nothing you're going to say to him that he ain't never heard before. Have mercy on me, O God. 
according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Notice, in time of sin and embarrassment, he doesn't run from God. He runs to God. It would have been easy for him to run and escape and live a life of guilt, but he decides to rather live a life of grace. Can I tell you something real quick? Some of us can't live in grace because we're too busy living in guilt. I don't run from you. I run to you. Why? Because you're a God of love and compassion. Can I put a side note here? If the Lord's church will learn to be like the Lord himself and be a people of love and compassion, people wouldn't run from the church. They go run to the church. After all I've been through, after all I've done, wouldn't nobody want to be associated with me, but I'm so glad that I got a friend who's thinking closer than a brother. I need your mercy. I need your love. I need your compassion. And guess what? I also need you to blot out my transgressions. Can I spend a little time right here? Blot brings the word picture of expungement. You're so merciful. You're so loving. You're so kind. You're so compassionate, but you're also so powerful. And your power breeds your authority. And your authority allows you responsibility. So Lord, take the stamp of your hand. Take the ink of your blood and blot out my transgressions. I want them expunged, Lord. Expunged means it's still there, but it's not accessible. Preach flowers, I think I will. It's still there, but it's not accessible. People may try to get dirt on me, but they can't find it because the Lord has expunged my transgressions. Only certain people can see it. And the only folk who can see it are those who are in authority. And the only one who's in authority is God all by himself. Can't nobody judge me on it. Because it's been expunged. It can't hold me back from future opportunities. Because it's already been expunged. Don't y'all look at me funny. We got some folk in the Lord's church that don't want to check the box. Say amen when you can. And see, some of y'all are so holy and some of y'all are so much heavenly good that you're no earthly worth. I wish I have somebody in here. And some of y'all are saying, I ain't like David. I ain't murder nobody. But there was that time you drove home a little tipsy. Say amen, you can. And you looked out your back window and you saw some blue lights and they said, walk on the white line and your feet got a little wobbly. Say amen, that's on your record. There's some folk in here who wrote checks that they knew was not money in the bank and they took it downtown. That's on your record. There's some people in here, I wish I had a witness, who could talk about it, uh, who got a little hello, got a little inebriated. Let me say that because y'all don't like the word drunk. Got a little drunk one night and they did some things they shouldn't have done, destroyed some property they should not have destroyed. There's somebody in here who's gotten some altercations. with some people of the same sex or an opposite sex. 
Somebody in here spent a night or two in jail. And there's some stuff you don't want us to know. But guess what? My fear is that you see in my criminal record. My fear is you seeing the stuff I've done since I've supposedly been converted. And there's some folk in here, Tyrone, not you, who would love to hear what Flowers does Monday through Saturday. There's some folk in here who would love to hear Herschel, what Flowers was doing in 2005. And you know what I say to those people? I'm sorry for you, but my records been expunged. You may look for it, but you can't find it. Because mercy, mercy, mercy be to God that he brought his love and his compassion and his kindness. And he said, it's there, but I'm going to put my hand on it and you can't see it, but it's still there. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Wash it comes from a Hebrew term that speaks of washing garments. It speaks of the occupation of a fuller. What's a fuller, Jeremy? I'm so glad you asked. A fuller is one who performs washing of wool garments. And in washing these wool garments, they would wash thoroughly to eliminate all oil, dirt, and other impurities, thus making the wool thicker. Somebody miss your shot. It's powerful here because wool is nappy. Wool is hard to deal with, just like me. But God has the power, the propensity, and the patience to cleanse even my dirt and not just cleanse it, but scour it. And there's a difference between cleaning and scouring. Oh, y'all not with me this morning. When you wash plates, you get your rag and you wash that thing over. But when you start dealing with pans, caked up stuff, dried up stuff, you can't use no rag to scour pots and pans. You got to go get a Brillo pad. Say amen when you can Y'all know something about a Brillo pad? Don't be lazy like your preacher do sometimes and put pots and pans in the dishwasher. The dishwasher can't do it by itself. It's only when you start scouring that pot and that pan that it gets all the way clean. And I'm so glad that I serve a God who doesn't just wipe over me, but he scours me. He deals with my wool. He deals with my ways. And he treats me like, like a pan all by itself. Wash away what? My iniquity. Meaning what? My guilt. Wash away the guilt. See, some of us, the Lord has blotted away our transgressions, but we can't forgive ourselves. We're hung up by guilt. And God said, I dealt with that in 1985, and you still worried about it in 2015? Well, I just feel so bad that I had them kids out of wedlock. Honey, he'll, he'll deal with your guilt. 
Why does it feel so bad that I, I'm married for the second time or the third time? God will deal with your guilt. Did I say something wrong in here? Say amen when you can. Ooh, it's quiet in here. It's quiet, it's quiet in here. I don't believe he said about folks' marriages. Can't you let God be God? It's quiet in here. Okay, 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 okay. You still guilty? Well, if I was a better father to my children, they'll be different. Honey, it's over. God not only releases you from sin, he wants to release you from guilt, but you're going to allow your guilt to put you back in sin. I'm not going to finish my text this morning. I better come back tonight. Wash away my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sins. Oh, tonight I'll show you all the New Testament relevancy, even here in Saul. He talks about repentance. He talks about baptism. He talks about the blood. He talks about uh, uh, continuing in your conversion path. That's all here in Psalm 51. Now, verse number three. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. I come to you in humility and repentance because I'm aware of my sin. I also know that until I deal with my sin, it'll serve as my obstacle as well as my baggage. My obstacle because it's going to stand between me and you. And I can't climb over it and get to you until I eradicate it. It's also going to serve as my baggage because I'm weighed down so heavy I can't outrun the devil. Sin serves as your obstacle as well as your baggage. Against you only, Lord, have I sinned. I know that Bathsheba was in it. I know Uriah was in it. I know the whole country was in it because of my position. But I broke your law. I broke your rules. The people are just symptomatic of the real problem. The problem is I've lost respect for you and your authority. See, when we sin, when we sin, it has little to do with the people. It has much to do with the separation. Okay. You cussed somebody out at work last week. And before you look crazy, some of y'all didn't say it, but you sure enough thought it, so let's just say amen when you can. And you thought in your mind, she got one more time and I'm going to show her something. <laughs> Betty Sue was just the symptom of the real problem. Sin is a problem of separation. How far I am from God. And the further I am from God, the closer I'll be to who I was. So when you say, it just take one more time, you better check how far you are from God. Because if you're closer to who you used to be, instead of to where he's brought you to be, then there's a problem. God, I got a problem. I'm too far from you. And that put me too close to Bathsheba. I've sinned against you and you alone. And I've done what's evil. I ain't got time, but there's a difference between, between a man's wickedness and a man's weakness. Every sin you perform ain't got nothing to do with your weakness. Sometimes you flat out wicked. 
Well, bro, you know how, how it is. I, I just fell down. No, you didn't fall down. You planned that thing out. Hello? Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, okay, okay. Let me get more practical. When you used to go to the club, some folk that was last night, your used to be was a lot sooner than you think. Some of y'all were there, you, you had the white party, you just put a black jacket on and came to church. Say amen when you can't. Uh, some folk went strong and it got weak and something happened. And then said to some folk, plan before they got to the club. What they were going to do, who they were going home with. I wish I had somebody else. Uh, yeah. Some of y'all may not remember the club in the juke joint, but that's a whole other story for a whole other time. There's a difference between a man's weakness and a man's wickedness. What David did was wicked. That's why when Nathan came to him, he said, how dare you have the audacity? All the women you got, you get that man's one woman. Let me tell you a story, David. It's like a man who had all kind of animals. But another man only had one sheep, one ewe lamb. Fed that lamb, loved that lamb, slept next to that lamb. Then a visitor came to town. That visitor there is symbolic of David's lust, meaning what? You got lustful. And instead of going with all the stuff you had, you took the one thing that that man had. David, not only were you wrong, you were wicked. You were scandalous. So Lord, bless me because I've been wicked. Surely I was sinful or full of iniquity from birth. Sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. Meaning what? I, sin is in my history. But it's also in my physical DNA. Oh, that's some good theology when you talk about the seed of man. And then the seed that was Christ. The seed that my father implanted in my mother brought forth seed. But it was the sin that was named, rather the seed that was named Jesus, that brought forth righteousness in my life. That's why in John 12 and 23, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verily, verily, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But when it dies, it produces many seeds. You can't blame your sin on your birth. And if you want to blame sin on birth, blame it on your physical birth. The last time Jesus talked with Nicodemus, Jesus said, man must be born of water and of spirit in order to inherit the kingdom of God. Sin might be from your physical birth, but honey, you have been born again. You're held to a different standard. And yes, yes, you may fall down, but you better learn how to get up. And what David's doing right now is him getting up. Verse number seven says, clean me with hyssop. Meaning what? Put your blood on it. Oh, I don't have time to talk about your blood on it. But when you talk about hyssop, 
the Passover, you put the blood on it and you put blood on top of the doorpost, on the sides of the doorpost. You remember that? Because blood served as protection. He's saying, look here, Lord, forgive me. I've been sinful. I've been wicked. I need to come in contact with some blood. This is Psalms 51, but it speaks into the New Testament. Who come back on tonight? I'm so glad that the Lord allowed and left his blood to cover over me, over my faults, over my fears, over my transgressions. I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus deals with my past, deals with my present, and will deal with my future. And the blood of Christ uh, cleans me with hyssop so I will be clean. Wash me, that's baptism, y'all, and I will be whiter than snow. That's a powerful statement. And I know we have folk who work for PNG here, but tired can't wash away my sins. Arm and hammer can't wash away my sins. Fabuloso can't wash away my sins. Yes, I looked in the closet before I came here. Say amen when you can. Even with 409, after all I've done, the stain would still show. But when I'm cleansed by God, and have contact with his blood, not only will my garment be returned to its natural luster, not only will my body and my life be returned to its natural luster, but then it'll be whiter than snow. Meaning that though God, through his power, his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, and his compassion, he still allows purity in my life. Verse number eight, let me hear joy and gladness. Meaning what? Take me back to the sanctuary. That's what he's talking about. There's praise in the sanctuary. There's sounds in the sanctuary. There's happiness in the sanctuary. But guess what? I can't go to the sanctuary right now because my sins are in the way. I can't worship. Because of my sin. And that's how it should be with the children of God today. That's why Matthew 5 says, if you get to the altar and you have an order against your brother, leave it there, go deal with your brother, then come back. Because sin serves as an obstacle between me and God. And how dare I Attempt to worship knowing I have unrepented, serious sin in my life. And at least David knew enough to say, I can't take my side woman. I can't take my murderous self to the church and act like everything's okay. It's quiet down here. That's why he says, have mercy on me, oh God. Deal with my sin. Blot out my transgressions. Deal me with your love and your kindness and your mercy so I can go back to church and I can hear the sounds of gladness and the sounds of joy because I can't live in a hypocrite. A hypocrite 
means one who wears the mask. An actor. And how many of us been acting? Just a little talk with Jesus. And ain't prayed in four years. Hello, somebody? This may be the last time, but you can't ever be on time. Flowers, I think I will. I'm going that way. But you never come back this way. But only on the first or the third Sunday of the month, and only if we having chicken for dinner. Hippo. You know you got problems in your life and you won't put them before the altar. Put them before God. Lord, help me. Deal with them. Have mercy on me. You know you got problems with your brother, even the one who sits in this same auditorium. You come in here with a stank attitude. I shouldn't have said that. With a stank attitude. I didn't say it already. You know how some folk are so fake even at church? They walk by you like your glass. They don't see you. They don't talk to you. They mean mug you. Then sit down and act like everything's okay. No, we got a problem in here. I don't feel comfortable worshiping with you. You got some stuff in your life. Been bad to your family. Bad to your children, bad on your job, and you sit here in comfort. You know, can I tell you something? You might not want to say this, but every now and then worship ought to make you a little uncomfortable. If you like everything that come out of my mouth, then fire me because I'm not doing my job. You want somebody to rub, you go find a masseuse. That'll make you feel uncomfortable. You know why it ought to make you feel uncomfortable? Because the word of God ought to convict you. It ought to put you in a position to where you don't feel comfortable in your own skin. But when you got stuff you won't deal with, you ought to feel guilty. You ought to be somewhat embarrassed. You ought to be ashamed. But guess what? You can lift all that. When you bring yourself to the one who not only washes away sins, but cleanses you of guilt. That's why he scours you. He washes the offense and also the offended. Lord, I want to come back to church. I want to hear the songs of gladness. I want to have that joy, but I got to get rid of this sin. That's why he says, come back tonight, creating me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Verse number 11, so that I can enter your presence. Don't, 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 don't push me out of your presence because I know that if I don't get myself right, that's what's going to happen. Because the more I sin, the more I separate myself. The more I sin, the more I separate myself. Every time I cut somebody out, I separate myself. Every time I lie on somebody, I separate myself. Every time I gossip, I separate myself. And if I keep on doing what I want to do, contrary to what you want me to do, the reality is I'm walking myself up out of your presence. That's why I say, Lord created me a clean heart so I can cut to your presence so I can have songs of joy so I can hear things of gladness so I can come in the sanctuary Lord, Lord, deal with it 
I'm so glad I have a God that will deal with it, whatever it is. But you got to first confess. And if King David can confess, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? That's what made him a man after God's own heart. It was not that he went away, but he came back the right way. Let's be standing and not singing. Let's be standing and not singing. God has been too good for you to walk out on him now. You wonder why you're here this morning? It's not because of your alarm clock, not because of your moderately good health, not because of the doctor who signed off on you last in the hospital. It's because he's given you time, space, and opportunity to do what you know you need to do and to do it right now. You wonder why you got out of the hospital? God wanted to give you more time. You wonder how they got you out of that car accident? Because God wanted to give you more time. You know why they didn't find cancer in your body this time? Because God wanted to give you more time. You know why somebody invited you here today and you didn't think you were coming to a church? Because God wanted to give you more time. He wanted to give you space. That's why he allowed you to do what you know you shouldn't have been doing. Because he wants you some space. You know why? Because the longer you hang out out there, you figure out that nobody out there loves you. Since you wouldn't come with me, I'll give you some space. I'll let you see what the world's really like. That's why when you went to college, you found out what the world was really like, and you were so glad to get back in time. And you told mom and daddy, you're right, ain't nothing out there for me. The Lord gave me some space so I can really see how it is. I looked out there to everybody on your side and in your corner. Gives me time, space, but he also gives you opportunity. Have you had enough time to decide to make Jesus Christ your Lord? Have you had enough space to know that he's the only way and you can't trust nobody but the Lord? If he's giving you time, giving you space, giving you grace, giving you mercy, giving you love, then why won't you at least take this opportunity? What's the opportunity, flowers? The opportunity is to be saved right now. Flowers, I want to be saved. Flowers, I want to change my life. Flowers, I want to transform. I'm not happy with who I am or who I see in the mirror. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. Let me tell you what you ought to do. You ought to first hear the word of God. You've heard me. I'm loud enough. You ought to believe that he is and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. You ought to repent of your sins. You ought to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved, Acts 4 and 12. Be baptized in water for the mission of your sins, Acts 2, 38, and live faithful until death, Revelation 2 and 10. Will you come to Jesus even on this morning? Well, Jamie, that was a lot of information. I wish you could just give me the cliff notes. I'm so glad you want them. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? It's a yes or no question. If you can say yes, walk down these aisles right now. We'll baptize you for the, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If you believe, then you'll repent. If you believe, then you'll confess. If you believe, then you'll be baptized.
Well, hold on, preacher. It's not the first Sunday of the month. That's not in Scripture. When a man knows and a man believes, then a man is held accountable. So since you now know, and since you are accountable, and since you claim to be responsible, how about you come and do what God has already preordained that you do? Walk down these hands, give this preacher your hand, and give God your heart for the rest of your life. Be baptized in water. We'll baptize you right now. We have everything that you need. Some churches say you got to bring your own clothes. We got clothes. We got towels. We got, we got caps. We won't mess up your hair. I know you went to the dresser yesterday. We got caps for that. And if your hair is hindering you from your salvation, I'll get you some new hair. Say amen when you can. Come to Jesus even now. Your soul is at stake. And it makes no sense to live in hell and then die and go to hell when you had the opportunity to make heaven your home. If you are a child of God and you've sinned, you straight away, you got unrepentant sin in your life. You got a David and Bathsheba situation in your life. You can't come to church right in your life. You feel guilty every time you take the communion in your life. Why don't you come back? Come down. Well, what would I say when I get there? I have no problem. I think Otis taking cards today. I have no problem with you writing on the card. Have mercy on me, O oh Lord. That's all you got to say. Roy has come. He just said, have mercy on me, O oh Lord. Tyrone has come. Said he's blotted out my transgressions. Because the Lord knows where you are. And the Lord knows what you need. So how about you come get what you need for what you need it for. Right now, as we sing the song,